Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 23rd, 2016, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. The next Pleiadian lineup will be in May of 2016, and we still have a few spots left for the ninth Starseed Crystal Quest to Arkansas, which starts May 15th through the 21st. This is a soul group reunion of what we call the Crystal Soul Family, and it's identified by having at least one of these six star markings, either natally or progressed, 25, 26, or 27 degrees in Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, Capricorn, and Cancer. This soul group has the rites of passage where crystals are concerned, and when they come together in Arkansas, it can be magical. If you feel the call of the crystals, but you're not sure if you have the markings, I'll be glad to take a quick look at your charts and let you know if you do. Just send me your complete birth info. Make sure you include the date, the exact time of birth, your place of birth, as well as your current location, and send it to crystals, that's plural, crystals, at starseedhotline.com. We also have a weekend gathering in Arkansas coming up uh, March 18th through the 20th, which is open to all starseeds, and it includes a crystal dig and... Uh, possibly the Quapaw. It might be a little bit past the due date for the Quapaw, but um, please write to Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-I-E, at starseedhotline.com for more details about the weekender. Well, Lavendar has asked me to be sure to tell everyone to buckle your seatbelts for tonight's show. Our very special guest is Barbara Lamb, who started out as a licensed marriage and family therapist and then became a certified hypnotherapist and regression therapist. In 1991, she began working with ET experiencers and to date has worked with over 780 people with ET contact and over 3,000 regressions in total. Her book, Meet the Hybrids, was uh, co-written with Miguel Mendonca and spotlights those cases of ET human hybrids. She has several other books, including Alien Experiences and Crop Circles Revealed. She teaches workshops for regression therapists and is the president of the Academy of Clinical Close Encounter Therapists. Even with our awakened audience being aware of the ET activities here, this information may be beyond what you've considered, so buckle up and stay steady. Barbara's books can be found on Amazon as well as her website, which is Barbara Lamb. Um, L-A-M-B-M-F-T, like Michael Frank Thomas, Barbara Lamb, M-F-T dot com. And we'll welcome her right after the news. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Fiona and Vanya for hosting the Switchboard this evening. If you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and we always appreciate Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download our show podcast on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow icon. 
We'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. If you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. But please be aware that if you want a stage two interpretation of that solar return chart, please, please order it at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you do get it in before your 10 hours happens. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with the Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Starseed listeners. It's great to be with you. Can you hear me, Ariel? Certainly. Oh, good. Excellent. (laughs) Well, we have no sunspot activity at the moment. None of the current sunspots poses a flare for strong solar activity. Solar activity right now remains low. But tonight, there is a bright conjunction in the sky. About an hour or two after sunset, y'all need to step outside and look east. You're going to see the hunger full moon in full conjunction with Jupiter. Those are the two brightest objects in the evening sky that are only going to be just a few degrees apart. It's very, very pretty. And in Fiji, Cyclone Winston has wrecked destruction. Authorities in Fiji are assessing the damage after the most powerful storm left at least five people dead. Cyclone Winston brought winds of over 200 miles per hour, torrential rain, and waves of up to 40 feet. It destroyed hundreds of homes and cut electricity lines. There are reports that entire villages were flattened. And off the Victoria coast in Australia, they have discovered a bizarre deep-sea creature with really bug eyes. It's an interesting little critter. It has lots of needle-like teeth that has been pulled ashore. Now, this is the second deep-sea monster to appear in Australian waters in less than a week. They call them monsters just because they look so strange. I was studying this photo and thinking that these animals live in the blackest of black, way out of reach of sunlight. They've evolved so differently. It's just amazing. Our planet is incredible. So many mysteries and secrets and amazing beings that we don't even know about because they're out of access of our normal range. But what's interesting about this story is that... um, These deep-sea creatures don't come up for no reason. They don't live uh, close to the surface, and that's why people never see them. Uh, It does indicate, perhaps, according to some, that there are methane gas leaks occurring at at this time, uh, coming up maybe from the ocean floor or some other activity happening with the tectonic plates, perhaps uh, volcanic activity under the water or so on. It's, uh, It's a thing that we ought to pay attention to. And over the last year at least, maybe more, they have been recovering so many of these fish uh, that normally live about 500 meters below the surface of the water. So it's something to keep an eye on. In New Jersey, they had a very shallow 1.6 earthquake that happened on Thursday. And uh, let's see here. On Sunday, northern Afghanistan was struck with a 5.5 magnitude earthquake. 
And in Chile, just yesterday, they had a six-point earthquake. In uh, Antarctica, off the Ant- off the uh, coast of Ant- Antarctica in the Indian Ocean, just today, they had a 6.0 quake. Some preliminary reports were 5.9, but it did strike the Indian Ocean between Antarctica and Australia. They didn't uh, issue any tsunami warnings for those quakes. And in Maryland, uh, they have discovered 13 bald eagles that were found dead. State and wildlife officials are trying to find out what happened to these 13 bald eagles that were discovered dead on Maryland's eastern shore shore on Saturday over the weekend. These birds of prey were found on a farm in a rural Caroline County about 90 miles east of Washington, D.C. They don't know what happened to these birds. And again, in Youngstown, Ohio, do any of you live up in that area of the woods? They have found dozens of dead birds lying along a highway in Youngstown. Again, nobody knows the cause of that. Last year, we discussed about the strange uh, sounds in the sky. That was quite frequent, just about this time last year, actually. Well, it's happening again. I don't know what the deal is with the months of January and February, but here we go again. And residents of Quebec were distracted just uh, the other night by noise coming from the sky that they said sounded like the trumpets that uh, had been reported elsewhere across the planet. They say there was no wind at the time, and other residents recounted their own uh, spooky encounters. They said that the sound was reported to have lasted more than an hour. Now, similar things have happened in Montana, Australia, Germany, British Columbia, And NASA is one of their explanations is that it could be the background noise of the Earth. But yet in another article that broke today uh, that there have been strange sounds heard in Nebraska City, people have been uh, reported to hearing train whistles in the night. Um, Some people said that it was similar to the sounds of the apocalypse that they heard on the Internet, like the YouTube post that everyone's familiar with. Uh, Again, these have been reported recently from the Philippines, Australia, Germany, Russia, and, of course, our own country. Now, the USGS is saying that these unusual sounds can be attributed to, here's some more explanations for you, deep earthquakes and waves crashing into distant cliffs. They say the sounds have an earthly origin, and some scientists are saying that atmospheric noise can be created by meteor flashes and acoustic gravity waves. Well... All right. Anyway, more trumpets in the sky going on at this time of the year. 2016, kind of a redo of what happened in 2015, same time. And in Nicaragua, experts have been sent in to monitor a volcano uh, as three more magma mountains erupt. That disaster experts are keeping a very close eye on a seismic hotspot after three large volcanoes began erupting, and they are expecting a fourth in the offing. Volcano experts from the United States, the U.K., Costa Rica, and local geologists are observing activity at four active peaks in Nicaragua. The biggest and most active is the enormous uh, Momotombo stratovolcano, and that's near the city of Leon. So they say that this particular volcano blew up for the first time in 110 years just a couple of months ago in December, and this has been active ever since. 
And in the Philippines, the Belusan volcano has erupted. It's ejected steam and ash. And prior to this eruption, there were 12 volcanic earthquakes prior to the fall of the ash. Mm. Northeast Georgia has been having some booms, booms so loud that they've actually shaken homes. This has been reported during the last two weeks in several northwest Georgia ca- uh, counties. So anybody in that neck of the woods, have you heard them? Keep your ear to the ground because apparently a lot's going on in that neck of the woods, your neck of the woods, Ariel. Yeah, I haven't heard anything, but... Okay. Well, you might want to keep your eye... This came from the. This news article came from the Athens Banner Herald, so you may find out something in the news about that. Uh, you know, a lot of times if we don't listen to the local news channels, we won't hear anything going on locally. But uh, anybody in that area, anybody, any of our Starseed listeners living anywhere that have any uh, uh, experiences with some of these strange phenomena, please do be sure to write me. You're kind of my reporters on the ground, my boots on the ground out there. And so keep me posted. Well, this is an article off the Internet that I wanted to share with you. Um, it's something we should be mindful of. Not that, not that many of you aren't, but maybe some of you aren't. So here, here we go. Um, I don't know if many of you are aware of it, but a lot of times our kitchen pantry has a lot of toxins in it. And we could talk about box products and we could talk about pre-manufactured food and so on, but particularly tonight's article concerns canned foods. Now, the Environmental Working Group reports that many food companies have not removed BPA from the epoxy that lines aluminum cans, despite widespread knowledge of its potential health impacts. Now, according to the Environmental Working Group, uh, who did an analysis of 252 canned food brands, they found that 78 brands are still packing their food into cans containing BPA-based epoxy, and just 31 brands are using BPA-free cans for all their products. Now, I'm going to give you just a couple of brands that have uh, that don't use BPA in their cans. Uh, Ace of Diamonds, American Tuna, Bernitos, uh, Walnut Acres, Sprout Farmers Market, Natural Sea, Earth Pure, and let's see, Health Valley Organic. Let's leave it at that. And then the ones that do have uh, BPA, and that's a long list, but I'm just going to share a few with you, cans that you might want to be aware of and you might choose to avoid that. Uh, some of these are very popular brands. Bushes, Carnation, Goya, Old El Paso, Pet, uh, Lucky Leaf, Magnolia, Dinty Moore, Duncan Hines, Eagle Brand, and uh, Van Camps, and so on and so on. Well, what they have discovered about BPA is that this chemical has been linked with all kinds of health problems such as altered brain and nervous system development, and changes in the reproductive system, including a reduced reduced sperm count in men. And they say that the toxicity from these cans can be most concentrated in fetuses and small children. So anyway, there's no doubt really that the chemical's toxic. One of the alternatives to that, folks, instead of eating canned goods, of course, is to make homemade, and instead of eating canned vegetables, eat fresh, maybe frozen. And speaking about reproductive problems and men's sperm, 
Well, they have discovered now that mobile phones have been discovered to be literally cooking men's sperm. They say that using a mobile phone for even one hour a day can be so damaging to sperm that men develop difficulties conceiving. And this is warnings from this is a warning from fertility experts. A study by British scientists has found that exposure to mobile phones close to the testicles or within a foot or two of the body can cook sperm and dramatically reduce its levels. Now, results from this study showed that men who keep their phones in their pocket during the day are the ones most affected, with a 47% decline in sperm count as opposed to just 11% of the general population. Now, Ariel, I know you and I could have a whole show on the hazards of this. How you know uh, that's right. It is so wide-ranging. It is phenomenal. And really, y'all, I mean... Is it really worth it to you, honestly? Not only are we so damaging our health, our bodies, we're really tearing up our auras, which are electromagnetic, uh, and we're paying people to inflict this kind of injury on us. So you know what? We got along without cell phones before they appeared. Do you think you might be able to do that now? Do you just think you might be able to forfeit that? They're wonderful for emergency use. But just imagine, what if you just use it for emergency use and help your health and help your psyche and help your beautiful light body? It would be a wonderful thing to do for yourself. Let's don't be a sheep. Let's try to be, um, let's say, let's... let's uh, Railblazers. What am I, yeah, that's the, you read my mind. You're psychic. That's beautiful. Thank <laughs> you for that help. Well, this is going to fascinate our Starseed listeners. Guess what? They have a new uh, quartz coin, or they're calling it a coin, that can record 14 billion years of human history. It's nicknamed the Superman Memory Crystal. It's a new storage device made of a nanostructured glass that can archive 360 terabytes worth of information for billions of years. That's been created by scientists at the University of Southampton using femo-to-second laser writing. The sliver of fused quartz coin can withstand temperatures up to 350 degrees Fahrenheit, and it is an example of 5D optical data storage. Now, this research team selected major documents from the pantheon of human history, including uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, uh, Newton's Optics, and they chose the Magna Carta, the King James Bible. They stored them digitally, and they say that they're going to keep for 13.8 billion years, which, by the way, happens to be, according to science, the approximate current age of the universe. I don't know how I think about that, really, when you think about it. Just not sure about that. But when we consider that uh, reality is made of light, that information is encoded in light, it's all preserved anyway. Well, I want to give you an update on the California methane leak. Uh, after that uh, mammoth methane gas leak uh, that spewed from a damaged well in California's Aliso Canyon, uh, they finally capped it last week and the residents of nearby Porter Ranch are returning to their houses. But all told, that Aliso Canyon link thrust, uh, leak 
thrust an estimated 96,000 metric tons of methane, not to mention benzene, nitrogen oxides, and other noxious substances into the atmosphere for a period of months. Now, so vast was the impact of this leak, it was likened to the BP's Deepwater Horizon spill in the Gulf of Mexico. But now, reportedly, California isn't the only state dealing with mammoth methane leakage. Texas is apparently dealing with a comparable disaster that has been, they say, overlooked in the media in part because the state's methane emanates from, of course, the oil industry. Now, according to the Texas Observer, quote, every hour natural gas facilities in North Texas at the North Texas Barnett Shale region emits thousands of tons of methane. And they say that... Uh, it is much bigger than the Aliso Canyon Lake uh, leak. They said it is much, much bigger. So there we go. Now, when we look at these reported methane leaks, just these two alone, and apparently the one in Texas is many that are combined together for a quantified effect of what they're talking about in this article. But that's not, not just happening here. And uh, when we look at the deep sea creatures coming up from the bottom of the ocean, uh, other symptoms in our ecology, um, we really have to wonder if there isn't a great deal of outgassing from the earth. We may think that it's fracking or this or that. We really don't know. But let me tell you something. There's a lot going on out there, just a whole heck of a lot. So stand steady and, and uh, you know, hold the light. And with that, I want to share a quote with you by Charles Swindoll, who said, Life is 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you react to it. So there you go. Well, Whatever's going a, on, let us all do our thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and react positively, because that's what we're here to do. We're starseeds. And it's going to be a great show tonight. This is a wonderful guest that we're having. She's had so much experience. So I yes, hope that we get a good turnout tonight, and those of them yeah. that aren't here live can pick it up later on on recording and that's what they, I'm sure we're going to get lots of listeners for this. I agree. It applies to so many of our star seed. Well, thank you. I want to wish you all a beautiful week from my heart to yours. Um and I'm going to turn it over to you, Ariel. Okay. Well, Anastasia, thank you so much for bringing us the star seed news. And without further ado, I am going to first open up Lavendar's microphone and then we are going to bring Barbara Lamb online. Okay, Barbara, you are on the air, and welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. Well, thank you. I'm very delighted to be with you. Oh Well, we're thrilled to have you here, and I'm going to turn it over to Lavendar for the first part of the show. So, Lavendar, uh, take it away. Well, Barbara, you have written the book that I've wanted to read for years, and you've done it. <laughs> just oh, so yay. I've two different weekends reading on this book, and I am just um, about calling people and telling them, get the book, get the book. I have several oh, people great. that I've been on the phone with for the last two or three days just um, telling them, Do, don't miss this show, and if you miss the show, then go get the book. <laughs> that's wow, what I've been that, them. that is wonderful. Let's mention the book, too, so the audience will know what we're talking about. Um, the, the hybrid Meet, Meet the Hybrids, the Lives the and Missions of E.T. Ambassadors on Earth. And, Barbara, I would like to read one paragraph right here okay. before we start. Sure. For those who are strictly here for the E.T.s and UFOs and are perhaps determined to understand the big picture, 
you'll find many more pieces to add to your collection. Do they all fit together neatly? Are there contradictions? Certainly there appears to be contradiction within and between accounts, and the hybrids themselves cannot always account for that. The entire human trip is full of apparent contradiction and paradox, so should we hold the hybrids to a different standard? The hybrids own both their understanding and their ignorance. They offer what they experience, think, and feel as their truth. We present their work as simply as that. Each reader will take from this material what makes immediate sense to them, but other things will sink in over time, and it may be that those contradictions resolve themselves with greater perspective, or they may cease to matter entirely. Wow, I love the way you write. Oh, thank you. Yes, well, I have to give so much credit to my wonderful co-author, Miguel Mendonca, who is a writer in England, So, and I'm in Southern California, so it's been very interesting collaborating on this together. And all the Skype interviews that we have done of eight hybrids and all the discussions about the book as we went along, that uh, he and I did together. And it's been an absolutely amazing process, something like, uh, or I should say nothing like anything that he had experienced before or I had experienced before. Yeah, truly wondrous, enlightening experience to get to know these ET human hybrids. I'm so sorry that we weren't able to to have him on the show. He's in England, and so it's like one or two o'clock in the morning there. So I maybe know. sometime when he comes to the United States, we can have him on uh, live on our show. Do you think he'd be able to do that? For well, us? he's uh, unfortunately, very unfortunately, he has multiple sclerosis, so he's not really flying okay, or I'm traveling sorry. at any great distance. He can travel short distances, but um, no. So that's just not possible. So, by the way, any of you and your wonderful audience um, who like to send healing wishes and healing energy, if you would send it to this wonderful man named Miguel Mendonca in Bristol, England, that's sort of southwest England, um, it would be very appreciated. And he could really use some assistance along the way in that because he has so much to give and so eager to give it. Well, we'll do that. Yeah, we want him around for a good long time. He's only 42 years old and he has so much he wants to write about and bring forth and get people to realize so, you know, his heart's in the right place and he deserves to live and be in good condition for a long time, in my opinion. Yes, we, w- we will certainly do that. Thank you for letting us know about that. We have yes. a lot of different healers that are connected to our, our show, so I uh, think I'm so. sure they'll get right on it. Let's talk about a little bit how you got into the, the work with the hybrids. How did this first show up for you? Oh, yes, it's been such an interesting journey. My goodness. Well, way back in 1976, I was... Uh, licensed as a psychotherapist, and I assumed that I'd be doing regular psychotherapy work with, you know, regular humans, and um, nobody was talking about anything else in those days. And then uh, by the mid-1980s, I 
began to have five years of training to be a past life regression therapist. And when I was doing some of the regressions with uh, some of those people early in that part of my career, um, I certainly noticed that in some people, the lifetime that they went back to in the regression, they found themselves as an extraterrestrial being, what we would call extraterrestrial, you know, living on a different planet. Well, that was a real surprise because I hadn't heard of anything like that. But anyway, we followed through with the regular regression. And in some of those cases, the extraterrestrials came to Earth for a visit in a spacecraft. And um, and in two of the cases, they weren't able to leave again. You know, the craft wouldn't do it or it was damaged or something happened. and, And they were kind of stuck here and died here. Well, that really made an impression on me, and I did get very, very comfortable with and experienced with doing the regression work. And then um, that was in the mid to late 1980s. And then in 1991, a young woman came to me who um, wanted to know about the unusual beings that were coming into her room very often at night and seeming to take her away for a while. And she would have missing time that she would notice even in the middle of the night. And um, she, unfortunately, was very traumatized by this, uh, tremendously concerned, and um, because it was happening quite frequently. And she was insisting on sleeping between her mother and her father in their bed at night, every night. And she was 21 years old, so they weren't too happy about that, if you can imagine, as time went on. But she was just terrified to stay alone. Well, she came in for six different sessions, and we did a regression on each one to one of these incidents when there would be this unusual being coming into her room and um, she'd be aware of just a few moments of it, and then she would be out of consciousness and then wake up back in her bed um, the next morning wondering what had happened. Uh, So we uncovered six different extraterrestrial encounters that she had had, and of quite a variety of beings as well, and a variety of things that that they did with her, and in one of those sessions, um, the regression showed that they had healed her of a really painful ear infection when they came one night and just helped her, worked with her ear while she was in her own bed, and uh, she woke up feeling, wow, I know there were unusual beings here, and my pain is gone, my ear is well now. So she began to develop a more favorable opinion about some of them. And after six sessions, she came in for the seventh and announced right away that she was so pleased and honored to be part of this program, whatever they were doing, whoever these beings are. And uh, she had lost her fear and was going to move into a wilderness area with her boyfriend, 
And, of course, I pointed out that they could very well come again, and they they seem to know where people are. And uh, she said, yes, I realize that, and that's fine. If they come again, I would be all right with that. In fact, I would welcome them. So that's a great beginning for me in this part of my work. And as I said, it was in 1991. Well, then I thought, after uh, working with her, I thought, well, gee, if anyone else happens to come again, uh, that would be just fine. And um, I could handle that now. I kind of know how to do this. And then about four months later, another lady came uh, with these visitor situations. And I worked with her for 11 years, and we did at least 60 regressions to different extraterrestrial encounters that she had had. And then more people started coming, and people in the local Southern California area started asking me to give lectures about this subject at their meetings, and I was doing some of that. And then more people you know, who heard those lectures, um, if they had had these kinds of experiences, uh, they tended to, you know, find out where I was and sign up for regressions. And so it it has grown. So since 1991, there have been at least 1,700 individuals I've regressed to extraterrestrial experiences. And some of them have come for many regressions. So it adds up to about 2,400 regressions, um, each one to an extraterrestrial encounter. So I'm emphasizing this just, you know, to make the point that there are so many people who experience these contacts and encounters with extraterrestrial beings. And through the years of doing this work, I became aware, of course, that In many cases, not all, but in many, um, the women had had eggs taken from their ovaries and um, made into hybrid babies by extraterrestrial reproductive material and genetics um, combined with the egg from the woman's ovaries, and then they would be implanted, that little embryo would be implanted in the woman for a couple of months of gestation, and then uh, she would be taken again, and that would be removed, and that little fetus would be raised in a tank of special fluid on board the ship, and at a certain point, when the guardian extraterrestrials realized that, okay, this fetus is ready to Uh, complete its gestation period, it would be taken out of the tank and um, wrapped up in swaddling clothes and kept in a very safe place. And then they would very often have the original mother who, you know, whose egg had been used and sometimes the human father whose sperm had been used. They'd uh, take them to meet with and hold the little hybrid baby. And then so many of these women I worked with uh, would see, oh, every year or so, uh, they'd be taken again to interact with 
uh, and get to know, to some extent, their hybrid child as the child was growing up. So this happened to our human women, and it happened to our human men. So I was very familiar with that over the course of years, um, never thinking that any of those hybrid people were human enough to be able to survive here on Earth. And then many, many times during the regressions, the um, extraterrestrial beings would say, no, this this child uh, cannot weather on Earth, cannot survive the viruses and bacteria, and would not be accepted either because the child would look, you know, substantially different in some ways. Um, so the mothers sometimes just wished that they could raise these children um, on Earth, you know, as their own, and indeed they were their own in the sense of coming from their own egg and um so that was sad for some of them and they followed them year by year by meeting them on the ships the ufos well then about six years ago with all of this information under my belt i was at one of the international ufo congresses which is a big group of people that meets every year usually in february now and they have, oh, maybe 1,500 people uh, pretty steadily um, attending that conference, which goes on for, oh, f- uh, five or six or seven days, depending on the year. And um, at lunchtime one day, about six years ago, I was putting mayonnaise on my sandwich and at a little kiosk standing in the middle of the hallway, and somebody came up next to me, And I looked around and noticed, you know, about one foot away from me, a a woman whom I had not seen before. And immediately, I just had the impression that she was a hybrid. And yet, I was surprised because I didn't think there were any hybrids that could live on Earth. So she noticed the surprised expression on my face and... uh, In fact, she said, what? Like, why are you looking so surprised? And I said, well, I hope you don't mind my saying this, but you remind me of a hybrid. And she smiled and she said, I am a hybrid. So that was Cynthia Crawford. She's one of the people featured in our book, Meet the Hybrids. And I did get to know her quite well subsequently. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful person she is. And I am convinced very thoroughly that she is uh, a mixture of extraterrestrial heritage and genetics and human. So then about two years after that, which was about four years ago, um, I was at another UFO Congress, and um, somebody brought over a person to introduce to me. And when I looked at that person being brought over, I immediately said, oh, you remind me of a mantis being, the mantis species of extraterrestrials. And she leaned forward and she said, good for you. I am a mantis being. 
And then I got to know her very well. In fact, she spent about six days with me, night and day, a year or so after that. And so I began to know more about uh, her as a hybrid. And then I thought, well, if there are these two hybrids living here, surely there must be some others somewhere. And I came across another lady who lives in Kentucky, and it turns out that she is a reptilian-human hybrid. And she said she felt very fond of the reptilian heritage and the reptilian being she knows, which at that time was a big surprise to me because the reptilians, unfortunately, get such a bad reputation for anybody interested in this field of interest. And um, anyway, I got to know her, and she sent me pictures of her shape-shifting into her reptilian uh, form and then back into her human form. So I was speaking, giving lectures at that time about the hybrids, mostly the ones who had to live on the ships, who were not human enough to be here. And then at the end of those lectures, I gave several of them to uh, big groups of people, and um, at the end of those lectures, I'd show these three women, you know, whom I was coming to know as uh, ET human hybrids. Well, so that's how that was a very few years ago. And then last year, 2015, I began receiving phone calls from this man in England, Miguel Mendonca, and he was a published writer. He'd already published about five books, and he was extremely interested in the hybrid program and particularly the hybrids living on Earth. And he had found me on YouTube giving some lectures about this, and he thought he'd like to learn as much as he could from me. So we started having long phone conversations, and uh, soon thereafter he said, well, look, I've been planning to write a book about hybrids, but you have so much experience with them and know so much more personally about it than I do. Let's write this book together. That was last April. And then just several months later, in December, the book was published. So he really whizzed along. We both worked very hard on it, but he did all the typing and submitting it for publication. And uh, and during the meantime, during those months, we had long interviews with these eight hybrids who appear in the book. Each one has a chapter about um, his or her own history and and how uh, he or she became a hybrid and what it was like being a hybrid, uh, how different they felt from other people, and how they eventually learned that they were a hybrid, and um, what their special abilities and skills are, and their mission. Um, each one had a direct mission to do by being a hybrid here on Earth. And they were all uh, bridges 
between their extraterrestrial species and the human species that they live with here. So it was really fascinating. And these people, uh, most of them had never met or even heard of each other. There were about three who knew each other to some extent, but the rest didn't. And yet we found that in each interview with them uh, that they said so many of the same kinds of things. So it began to seem you know, more and more authentic all the time. I mean, we never really doubted it, but it became in- increasingly convincing uh, with each person that we had a very long interview with on Skype. Thank goodness for Skype that really facilitated so much in our work. So anyway, they um, all were featured in this book, and um, and very excitingly, just this last week, from February 17th through the 21st, a couple of days ago, um, these hybrids were at the International UFO Congress with me, and I gave a lecture, and after I had talked for half an hour or so, I had each one of the six of them who were able to get there, um, each one of the six of them get up on the stage and for several minutes tell their own story authentically. They did such a beautiful job. I was just thrilled. And not only that, but with this huge audience of 1,500 or so people, they were so amazingly receptive about this, about there being ET human hybrids living amongst us. And for the rest of the conference, um, I was just flooded with people, and so were each of them who wanted to say, thank you so much for bringing out this information and speaking the truth for yourselves. And it's so uplifting, so inspiring. And it, So, it really Barbara, is. let me ask you, did any of them come up and say they were hybrids? Uh, they were nobody. Well, yes, there were a few people who came up to me anyway and said they wondered if they were, and we would talk about it a little bit. And I would say, well, that's you know sounds like it's possible, but we'd have to talk longer and deeper, you know, to uh, really make a good assessment about that. But there were two other women at the conference whom is. Soon as I looked at them, and I had never seen either of them before, as soon as I looked at them, I recognized with one, oh, she's a reptilian hybrid. And then I got to know her a day or so later. She came over to where I was eating dinner and sat down, and we talked for a good 45 minutes or so. And then we both determined that she must be a reptilian hybrid. And she had wondered why her the skin around her eyes would frequently change texture and coloring and uh, really look like a non-human 
being, and that would happen every once in a while. And she she just didn't know what that meant. Um, but as we talked further about this and experiences that she had had with reptilians, um, you know, it came out more and more that, yes, it's very, very possible, in fact, probable, that she is one of the hybrid people here. And there was another woman, too. I never had a chance to talk to her at that much length. But as soon as I saw her, I thought, oh, she is a mantis being. Um, and it, In other words, the mantis are like very tall praying mantises. Some people call them insectoids. I prefer the name mantis. But... Um, she she looked and acted um, in that insect-like way, and she was very nice. I I liked her. She was very perky and on the ball, and very very interested in all of this. And I'm sure that if I had had the chance to talk to her in some depth, that uh, she could very well turn out to be a hybrid. So I said to the audience there in my lecture that. Um, many of them might be hybrids and might have been wondering about themselves and would have uh, had encounters with certain groups of extraterrestrial beings. All of our hybrids, you know, have fairly regular encounters with the kinds of beings that they have the genetics of. In other words, their own species, shall we say, but they don't consider them abductions or anything unwanted. Uh, They actually welcome these visits because it feels like these beings are their family. In fact, they all express that the, the extraterrestrial beings, who, by the way, they call star beings, rather than extraterrestrial. So their star beings um, feel more like their true family than their Earth family feels like true family. So they all have encounters with their beings, and they all have a lot of guidance. Like uh, many people have spirit guides and get messages and are saved from catastrophes sometimes and may or may not know something about their spirit guides. Well, it's the same thing with these hybrids, that they know about their extraterrestrial guides and are very, very happy when they have visits from them. So, oh, it has been such a fascinating journey Oh, I'm sure. And I wanted to ask you, didn't you receive some kind of award at that conference last week? What was it? Oh, thank you for asking about that. Yes, I was very honored to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award in this field of ufology and extraterrestrials. And that's uh, something that this particular um, conference has just done in the last couple of years, and I just felt you know, very, very honored and grateful to be chosen for that award. And, uh, I mean, they know that I've been doing 
25 years of a lot of work with people who experience extraterrestrial encounters and that I've led a lot of what I call experiencer support groups at this conference and many other conferences too. In other words, giving people who do experience these encounters um, a voice and time to share what has happened for them and um, ask questions and find others um, like them who've had experiences to share and feel comfortable with. And um, I've always had the feedback since starting those uh, groups in over 1995, I believe, um, just so much appreciation from people, you know, to have a place where they can talk freely and they know they won't be judged or thought to be weird or crazy or anything like that, and to just simply get to know other experiencers. So um, that's happening more and more. I'm I'm hearing about more and more conferences, UFO type of conferences um, around the country and occasionally in other countries as well, and that it seems to be catching on um, more and more giving the experiencers a chance to meet together and, um, you know, share if they want to and learn from each other. So I'm very very pleased about that. Barbara, I've been tracking a lot of things for a very long time, and one of the things that occurs to me is that after 2012, there seemed to be an acceleration of star beings and hybrids and babies uh, aboard. I mean, it was like a, a huge rush of, of information that started happening everywhere after 2012. And it, was, it wasn't so much about the Mayan calendar for me as it mm. was noticing how that things were allowed to accelerate and it, with star beings and with star seeds and with genetics. I started tracking it and going, yeah. wow, it's happening all over the world. It was like a, I think that we're probably some of the best kept secrets right now on the planet is the star seeds and the hybrids because they're holding so much light and energy for the planet that um, it's a stabilizing effect now. That's what I feel. Yes. I feel like if they weren't here, we'd be in real trouble. <laughs> Oh, what a good point you're making. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we hear on the news one disastrous thing after the other. So much negativity and, you know, the wars and the killings and the human trafficking and um, all these disasters and um, and then the corruption and the greed and the control by certain groups of people increasing all the time. Um, and nuclear proliferation, of course, very importantly. And so it's, it, it's really a time of enormous polarities, and it probably always has been, but I think it might be more pronounced nowadays. And more this atrocious negativity going on on our planet, and also so much good, and more and more... Uh, good people, good in the sense that they really are here for a mission to help, to help upgrade humanity. And that's what each of our hybrids 
has said in their own way, in their own interview, that that they're really here to raise the consciousness of humanity and to be open to a cosmos that has so many different intelligent beings and spreading the word of cooperation and that we are all one, not only all one with all life on earth, but all one with all beings in the universe. And they're helping to prepare us uh, for accepting the fact that there are many others in the universe, even though our official agencies uh, keep denying that or working it down to saying, oh, there might be microbial life somewhere else, you know, and, and yet we know there are very advanced, intelligent, wonderful beings on, you know, probably millions of these planets out there. Uh, so I think that, you know, both polarities are really very active now, the negative one and the very positive one. And, um, well, you know, your whole organization, Starseed and Starseed Radio Interview, um, I mean, it's just wonderful that you're very active with this very positive, uh, forthcoming polarity, uh, letting emphasizing the things that you are emphasizing. Well, you know, Barbara, when we put our uh, website up several years ago, you could type in Starseed and maybe maybe two things might come up on Google. Now you type in Starseed, it's page after page after page. Wow. (laughs) That is a huge movement that started happening over the last four or five, well, since 2012. It was like somebody well, just jerked yeah. the band-aid off of the third eye of all these star beings on the planet <laughs> and, and, and gave them permission to step out and, and, and be known. You know, I am very appreciative that you mentioned that. Um, I hadn't really put that together in my mind, but I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah, that it was way beyond the Mayan calendar issue. Absolutely. And, uh, in yeah, fact, that, it was. I, I think the Mayan calendar was a distraction. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's kind but of the way least, I finally, it, I said, you know what? <laughs> that was something that somebody wanted us to track that to the end and put our energy behind it, and it's like, no, look over here. This is what really happened. Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, but at least it did bring a portion, at least, of world attention of course to it the did. fact that Maybe there was going to be a big change of some sort. Yeah, and it, it's I called the bloodlines all over the planet that were rising yeah. up, and uh, the hybrids, the star seeds, the bloodlines that had been put down on the planet and tracked for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. The, the the serums that they put in shots inside people uh, yeah. during the Atlantean uh, disaster, and they said, you know what? Let's put a shot in here, and we'll we'll revisit this, you know, ten thousand years later, and we'll see how we are. <laughs> oh yeah. wow! Oh, what an interesting thought. <laughs> Thank you for that. I've been I've yeah. been tracking these these um, uh, things for about thirty years. You know, I was oh, told great. to take my information and go stick it in a bank vault and keep my mouth shut oh. for twenty five years, and I did that. 
And mostly I was to wait until after the kids that were born after 1980. So after the kids are up and grown, uh, then you can release your information. Wow. Been doing, yeah. How exciting, and you're really doing it. Yeah, I'm really doing oh, it. Oh, I wanted to ask you, how many great. different species have you found that has been splicing and dicing the genetic pool with humans? Oh, what a great question. Uh, well, there are 15 that are mentioned by the hybrids in our book. Um, and some of these hybrids have a mixture. Like one woman might have, um, as she says, the tall white zetas, the mantis beings, the reptilians, uh, the blue Arcturian, blue Arcturians, and the Syrian warriors. As one woman has all of these, she has found out, and that means that she's had lots and lots of encounters with all of these types of beings. And um, so if we add up all the beings that are known by these particular eight hybrids, there are 15, but I suspect that there are more extraterrestrial species that are doing the hybrid program too. Um, It's pretty well thought of that the little grays little gray extraterrestrials are making hybrids. And that was what sort of came out into more public notice for quite a few years first. And then it came out about uh, these other types of beings doing the same thing. So I really don't know what the total number would be. Well, I was told that it was 33. Oh, okay. I was there's 33 told that different species that are running experiments out of the starship Bethlehem, which is a Pleiadian ship. That's what I've been oh. told. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting because I had heard that um, in relation to the number of extraterrestrial beings that exist and come to Earth and do some sort of interaction, um, that same number, 33, has been given. But I will... Uh, proceed to say that in my 25 years of regressing many people to their extraterrestrial encounters, I would estimate more like about 50 species of extraterrestrials are interacting, or at least with the people whom I've met and regressed. And that doesn't mean that they all do a reproductive program Some of them are here for totally different reasons that have nothing to do with creating hybrids. So what the exact number is that uh, make hybrids, I really, I don't know, but I'll I'll go temporarily at least for that suggestion about 33 until we find out something different. Yeah, Yeah. okay. You know, the thing that I loved about the way you wrote the book is that it's, you asked the same questions to each of them, and oh, each yes. of them had an answer that really supported the others, and yet they weren't talking to each other, were they? They weren't, no. And It's like there was were, a, a common theme with hybrids. Oh, yes, point after point after point. Yeah. And, um, and then in terms of their mission, uh, they each stated it in a different way but it was basically the same type of mission if we kind of congeal it all 
and say that they were here to be bridges between their extraterrestrial species and the human species, and most of all to help to lift, upgrade, inspire the consciousness of human beings. And in yes, and you know, sometimes when I find a hybrid or a, or, or a star seed that's very advanced, I will say to them things like, you know, you're jumping from spiritual 101 to galactic 404. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. There was a book that was published years ago, probably, oh gosh, in the very early 1990s, called uh, ET, ET 101. 101. And I... I bought that and then I let it right out. Never got it back, so I never read it. But um, you got to get it and read it again. I've it's get it's it. more yeah. viable now than ever. Oh, yeah, you got to find wonderful. it. It's, you can probably find it on the internet somewhere. Yeah, I probably could. I'm glad we're thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, probably Amazon or some. Yeah, it was, it was written before its time. That's for sure. But it really, it's very timely right now, and it's funny. Oh, yes. It was written very comical. But true. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 I didn't even know it was comical. But yeah, you know, but sometimes it's very that helps comical. get the point across better. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So these hybrids didn't know. Um, well, in fact, they didn't even know who else was being included in the book for quite a while. And um, oh, so one of the wonderful things about the UFO Congress last week was that six of them got to be together oh, yeah. to get to know each other. And and that was so wonderful. So I had two lunches with them. A couple of them couldn't stay for the whole rest of the conference. They had to go back to work or one had her beloved dog was dying and she had to go home and take care of that. Very sad. Um, <clears throat> but uh, four of them and myself, uh, kept getting together and having these wonderful discussions. And they were so happy to be with each other and liked each other so tremendously and uh, so happy to have a platform. Um, uh, several of them used that work. Thank you for providing a platform so that we can talk to people about us and other hybrids and <clears throat> what we're here to do and our missions were here totally for benevolent service and so glad to have more people know about that and know about the wonderful beings that we come from. So it, it was a very joyful thing and I was pleased too that I, I kept noticing through the rest of the conference that many, many people would come up and talk to each one of the hybrids and talk very respectfully. You know, I don't think anybody said, oh, you know, you've got to be putting on an act or what are you trying to pull across us or anything like that. Um, you know, they were very, very well received and that I'm sure, you know, was wonderful for them and wonderful for us all, actually you know, that that could be accepted. How many hybrids do you think are really living on the planet now? Have you thought about the numbers that, <laughs> oh. that it might be? Well, I've thought about it, but oh, I'd have to just totally make a guess. 
of there's seven billion people now, plus some additional numbers. Um, I mean that's incredible itself. But gee, I don't know. I I just think that the hybrids are probably living in most of the countries, if not all, all different parts of the world, and they're probably pretty lonely. Uh, they probably don't get a chance to combine with each other. Uh, so I don't know if it would be like 1% of the population. Uh, I, I really I think there's millions. I think, Barbara, I think there's millions of hybrids on this planet. Well, good for you. I think that um, there are millions, uh, many millions of people who experience the extraterrestrial encounters. Uh, so if that is true, um, I'm, again, I'm guessing on that, uh, but if that's true, then there probably is a really hefty number of hybrids, too. And they may or may not know that they're hybrids. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. A lot of them yeah. probably don't know that they have yeah. 25% Zeta, 25% this. 20, I mean, it's, they probably don't know. I think it's very possible, very, very likely, in fact. And then if they, um, you know, have the opportunity to read about this or uh, get to find out about it in some way, then they have a greater chance of recognizing that in themselves. Right. Well, so I think you're going to be writing more books about the hybrids. I think this is just the first book of many. Yes, yes, and I, I hope that that's true. That would be there, true. There are some filmmakers, a couple of them at least, who've approached me who are very, very interested in bringing this out in a documentary film. I think that's so, wonderful. So that's good. Yeah, and they want to interview the hybrids whom I know. And um, so I know about 14 of them and have their contact information, uh, you know, including ours who are in this book. Um, you know, so that, that could be a good start. And once in a while, there's a hybrid who knows about another hybrid whom we haven't known about. And that's um, partly how we got the eight people, eight hybrids for our book, um, that one, well, I knew three of them already, and then they referred a couple of other people. Well, actually, I knew four of them. Yeah, and they referred other people. And then Miguel Mendonca over in England started a lot of research and call, calling around of people who know about the extraterrestrial phenomenon, and one thing led to another, and he found one hybrid who then knew another hybrid, and that person referred the third person. So that's kind of how it goes. And since then, I've been keeping a file folder of people whom I come across whom I think are very likely hybrids. So I'm trying to keep a record of that in case we write a follow-up book to continue this further. In case, in case, <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. going to be doing it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can feel like it coming. To. 
It's like you, like you've to. just opened, you've cracked open the book, and here they come. So just get ready. <laughs> yeah, I say well, that, that because be I've been I've been doing this um, work by, by Skype and and doing sessions now for what six years. And oh, I see what's happening with just the starseed activations, and and there's a lot of hybrids that I've come across. So you know, it's right. just our one little website has pulled in. I don't know how many, how many um, you know starseeds and hybrids already, and we've had over a half a million people listen to our show. Oh, good, yeah. So wow. I think that you know, get your seatbelt ready because here they come. <laughs> Right. Well, it's a busy life. Um, I have a regular therapy practice, and that keeps me plenty occupied. Uh, And this is in addition to that. But it may be that I'll have to sort of slow down on the regular practice in order to do more of this. because, And this is more unique and maybe, um, well, there are lots of therapists who do regular therapy work. So, you know, People would still have plenty of people to go to for that. Um, well, you know, one day I had um, I had two. I'd only do two sessions a day, and my three o'clock. She told me she said I want to be a hypnotherapist and I want to be able to help these people that have been abducted. And that was my three o'clock. Good. And I took her name down and talked to her about it. And then at my five o'clock, same thing. I want to be a hypnotherapist. I want to help these people who have been abducted. And I yeah. said, wow. All in the same day? I have two people that they want <laughs> to do this. Day. <laughs> this? Yeah. yeah. So it is gaining um, attention, and uh, that is excellent, I think. Yeah. Now, I think we're in the most interesting time to live, you know, right now at, at this point in history. Um, so much is opening up in so many ways, and I think more people are becoming aware and uh, that there really is a whole cosmos. Oh, by the way, uh, not only a a whole cosmos, but a whole cosmos of intelligent beings. And that's, you know, that idea is is gaining ground, I think, bit by bit. Um, One of the things that um, Miguel and I were very impressed about in interviewing our hybrids was they all said that their beings, their extraterrestrial beings, don't talk about God per se, but they talk about the one source that is through everything and that we are all part of this source. So we are one not only with all other humans and life in all forms on earth, but we're one with all of those beings out there in space on their own planets. And I think that is a wonderful concept, a wonderful realization, that there really is no separateness, no division as one of our hybrids said in one of the interviews, uh, there are no sides. Yeah, no polarity. Yes, and in 3D reality here on Earth, we apparently, compared to the rest of the universe, 
we have a very unique situation because we have polarities of everything. And it's really encouraged, you know, such as what's going on right now, the political debates, you know, the Republicans versus the Democrats and, you know, this football team against that football team and this baseball team against that baseball team, this religion against that religion, this kind of education versus that other kind of education. I mean, wherever you look in our world culture, we have polarities. And I think that that is part of third-dimensional reality so that some of these other species, like the Arcturians and the Syrians and some of the Pleiadians and so forth, they are said to be in higher dimensions than we are. And so in their dimension, their way of life, they don't have to have polarities like we do. But as soon as you come into 3D reality, i.e. here on Earth, um, it gets denser in terms of frequency, vibration. And then we separate out and we think we're all separate from each other. We long to have some sort of close relationship with one other person. I think that's a lot of the motivation, you know, behind wanting to fall in love and have a permanent partner. We want to feel deeply connected to somebody without realizing that we already are connected to everybody. We just don't realize it. So I think all of that is really interesting to contemplate. Well, Barbara, uh, I'm looking at the time, and I, I know that Arielle is looking at the time, too, and so I would like to, at this time to share you with with my co-host who has the switchboard. Would you be willing to maybe uh, have some people uh, call in? We have we have people that screen the callers, so you won't okay. be getting any surprise <laughs> questions. Okay, <laughs> horrible thing, yeah. Okay, sure, I'd be very We, we never really have that. It's like... No one's really come and attacked us. Uh, we have Good. people that are awake and ready to, to hear the truth about everything. So, Oh, good. So I want you to feel feel at ease with with our uh, Starseed group. And I would like to also put out there that we should do a hybrid series. We should have each of your people come on our show. Oh, that would be wonderful. And I think they would be willing, too. Is some of them listening yeah. tonight, you think? Oh, uh, they might be. That is certainly possible. Okay. And, um, well, uh, yeah, and they're all very articulate. I, I was so pleased with their speaking to the UFO Congress. They just so I'll tell you what, Barbara, I'd like to talk to you later by phone so okay. that we can we can put this together for our hybrid series, okay? Sure. Yes, that would be great. So, Ariel, are you there? I am. Okay, so Barbara, I'm going to have to leave at this time, but it's been my pleasure okay. talking with you, and I'm really looking forward to having our private conversation. Oh, I do too. So okay. thank you so much. It's been a wonderful experience. Thank you. So 
Um, if anyone listening, if you are already on the switchboard and you have a question for Barbara, you'll need to press 1 so we know you want to come on the air. And if you're listening on your computer, you can dial 917-889-8292. And once you're in, then press 1 so that we know that you have a question for Barbara. And while we are waiting for our uh, producers to um, get, we've got callers already lighting up the board. And I just I, I want to mention that, once again, my, my phone is running out of battery, so if I drop out, I'll call right back on a different phone. But um, <laughs> okay. as, you were, as you were speaking, I had uh, actually wondered um, if you noticed that if there were similarities between the hybrids that you worked with in maybe some um, special, um, oh, I'd say reactions. Are they, are they extra sensitive to certain things, um, you know, light or sound or, um, you know, food? Or uh, do, do they do they have any kind of commonality in... Well, uh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I had kind of assumed, doesn't pay to assume, but I did assume that they would probably all be vegetarians, maybe even vegans. But when I had meals with them these past few days, oh, my goodness, they had um, hamburgers and chicken, and one lady had a big piece of beef. And, uh, you know, I I was I expressed some surprise about that. Um, but they, And they're very healthy people, very healthy. Um, active, healthy people. Two of them are in their 60s, but, oh, I, I would think that they're in their 40s, really, and some of them are younger. One of them was 20, 27 years old, um, and then everything in between. But, um, yeah, they they ate heartily, but they um, they meditate and they... Uh, exercise in various ways. They uh, respect that the body needs to be taken care of. I don't think they're interested in alcohol or drugs or smoking or anything like that. Um, and they do eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but they they will have meat sometimes, they say, and they think that that's, that gives them some um, extra protein that they can use to be as active as they are in their work. Um, but yes, some of them have had allergies to things. Uh, one particular hybrid had a lot of allergies um, to just regular earth things. I mean, plants, uh, certain plants and pollens and animal hairs and things of that sort. Um, but they don't all have that by any means. And a couple of them, by the way, are very accomplished animal communicators and really understand understand the thoughts and the feeling and the history of individual animals and really seem to have a very uh, dear, very appreciative relationship with them. But I especially appreciate that they can communicate with them. And they all have psychic skills. They all do healing. 
of other people, including remote healing. Um, and some of them have unique uh, services that they give, like a woman named Jacqueline. Um, when she's asked to do so, she will give what she calls a star origin reading. And that means that she can clairvoyantly see way back to the first incarnation that a person's soul went into. It might be a realm, like she told me my first one was not into a physical lifetime, but into a celestial realm. And then she was able to see major groupings of extraterrestrial species that I had been part of in past incarnations. And then, of course, I've had a lot of uh, human incarnations that I had previously found out about through regression work. And um, But she can do that for people. And, and it's not the same information for each person. I mean, she quite uniquely is seeing what we have each been in the past. And um, and she also has, oh, many of them do, I think probably all of them do, have this particular kind of sight where they can see other dimensional beings who are here with us. Um, and I don't see them. Sometimes I sense them and feel them, but... Uh, these hybrids have the ability to actually see them and describe them. And so a lot of the extraterrestrial beings are from other dimensions, some dimensions more dense the way that we are and some much more ethereal. But they're just as real and just as conscious, you know, uh, even Mm -hmm. much more so than we humans are yeah so it's it's just lovely that they they know about these and they can be in conversations with them and you know learn from them in ways uh-huh. that most of us cannot do um i mean i i think it's it's just wonderful that they have these abilities and can really help people with them for instance, even in some of the Skype sessions that we had, um, they would, oh, with one hybrid and Miguel Mendonca, the three of us in one Skype session, each seeing each other. And um, I had had a disastrous thing happen at the beginning of July last summer, 2015. I suddenly had a massive stroke. And we were in the middle of interviewing these hybrid people for our book. And so when the hybrids realized that, and I would get back on Skype, they would send healing energy. And sometimes I would really feel that coming to me, healing that part of my brain where the stroke had happened. I think it made a tremendous difference. And everybody um, in all walks of life whom I've bumped into who knew that I had a stroke, they all say, oh, my goodness, 
you never know it. You're, you know, doing so incredibly well. And I would always say, well, I think it's because these wonderful hybrids I was working with kept sending me healing energies remotely. I think that really made a difference. And one time in an interview with Jacqueline, um, she could see, looking at me through Skype, she could see that there were three very tall blue beings, Arcturian beings, standing behind me. So when she said that, I looked around. I couldn't see them, <laughs> but I could believe her. <laughs> I could right. believe because I had already been feeling um, a certain kind of tingling energy feeling on the top of my head before she said that. And I had already been thinking, gosh, I wonder if somehow somebody's sending me healing because my head just sort of suddenly fired up with these tingles. It was a nice tingling. It wasn't painful. And then then she said, uh, I didn't mention that, that I was feeling that, but then she said, I'm seeing these tall, bluish beings, the Arcturian beings, uh, behind you, and they have their hands over the top of your head. They're sending you energy. So wow. Really, you know, without my having mentioned it or anything, um, that really was corroboration that Absolutely. they were right here helping mm-hmm. me. So. I'm just really grateful. Wow, oh. it, 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 you know, the, the, all these things were coming together. Yeah, my my co-author yeah. and I, Miguel and I, just with every interview of each one of these people, we did two or three with each person, and each interview lasted three or four hours. <laughs> so that was really a lot of time spent with yeah. them wonderfully. And... Um, each time when we finished the interview, and then he and I would usually talk for another hour on Skype, um, we'd just be marveling at what we had learned and what we had actually experienced, even through the technology of the Internet and Skype, you know, maybe being thousands of miles away from these people physically. Yeah. But still, yeah, but there's no there's no distance. There's no distance <laughs> there's in those. We do have um, we do have several callers now with questions ready to go. Okay. So uh, if you are ready, uh, we are going to talk uh-huh. first. Um, it looks like it, it, the name is either Ray or Ra, and I'm getting your microphone open. But um, there is a question here. Well, this <laughs> studio switchboard okay. is just kind of. Ra, is it Ra or Ray? It's Arcturus Ra. And, and Chris Arisa. Okay, well, and, uh, welcome to the show. You are on air with Barbara Lamb. Do you have a question for her? Okay, I have a question to Barbara. Is, uh, how can we create a platform? As I'm a hybrid and my girlfriend is a hybrid. We're both on YouTube. And we love you all so much. And we want to Thank see uh, how, how we can create a platform for a hybrid to uh, meet each other. And uh, one message to Lavender that knows me, Dr. Ra, your homeboy from the ship. 
Uh, I can't wait to be on your show because, boy, do I have stories about my experience and the skills we have and how do we come into this world. Thank you. Well, Will, what a wonderful intention you have to create a platform for hybrids to meet each other. That's a very thrilling idea, and I'm sure that these hybrids in our book would be very, very open to that idea. Uh, so, if well, let's see. You could. Uh, I, I'm very poor on technology, but I know that there are um, internet groupings where people can participate. I don't know what they are, but um, I do know there are some, and where a whole group of people could be participating in the same uh, website call or whatever you call it. Um, so if you get something like that set up, I think the Internet is is certainly the best way to do it because uh, these people are spread out all over, uh, you know, different countries, all over the globe probably. Um, if you create such a forum like that and let me know, I'll give you my email address, um, I could uh, help you get in touch with these particular hybrids who might participate and be very happy that you're doing such a thing. So would you like my email address? Yes, I would like to your email address and also contact you so we can make Send you our books on our nine-dimensional symbols. And then we uh, make this a wider platform for all the hybrids to meet. And I want to call this Hybrids Welcome on Facebook and on Google. So once it shows up, they will only have a direction. But, uh, yeah, give me your email. Oh, that would be, I like that. Hybrids welcome. That's that's good. Okay, my email is Barbara B A R B A R A dot Lamb L A M B dot Therapist T H E R A P I S T at Gmail dot com. Excellent. So we'll make this work and expand this. We had so many synchronicities happening leading to this event, and I missed you that day at the uh, conference, but it all looks like that the hybrids are coming forth and we understand who we are now. I understand that even through Lavender that I'm like Arcturian, Lyran, Sylvian, Antarian, Esasani, and Rigel mix, but my main core is Arcturian, and I can also sense that you are very Arcturian, so just so you know. Oh, oh well, that, thank you. That's very good to know. Yeah, I appreciate that feedback. <clears throat> so now you have a Starfleet commander and an entire Arcturian and Lyran fleet behind you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. I welcome that. I appreciate yeah. the radio show. I appreciate your work that... Uh, from uh, Arcturus Ra and Christopher Rice. Christopher, greetings from behalf of Orion Council and everyone in Sedona. We love you all so, so much. Thank you. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. And I I do hope that you get together with Barbara and go forward with that. It's a great idea. I hope so, too. It's already done. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. What a wonderful contribution. Okay. Well, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, so, um, yes, um, our next caller is going to be Philip. Hello, Philip, you're on the air with Barbara. 
You can go ahead Hello? and ask your question. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, yes, we can. My my question is, is there a difference between being a star seed and being a hybrid? And if so, how can one determine if one is a hybrid? Well, the hybrids, um, as far as we can tell, literally have extraterrestrial genetics in them. Uh, now, the star seeds, as far as I understand at this point, my understanding keeps growing, uh, but at this point it seems like the star seeds may not have direct extraterrestrial genetics, but they probably have been uh, dwelling in a higher realm, a more spiritual realm of existence, and or um, a higher developed extraterrestrial realm. Uh, so they, they really are humans, but in the past, maybe even possibly in the last incarnation, they were in one of these other realms and have brought through a lot of that wisdom and a lot of that helpfulness with them. So I think it's, it's as far as I understand now, and, and this is all subject to learning more and possibly changing, uh, but they would be very much on a similar kind of mission, star children, star seed adults, star beings, um, as the hybrids are. But I think that the hybrids would have more active extraterrestrial genetics in them in, in living this life on Earth. So if one is a hybrid, then you actually know it. You're born with this knowing, right? No, no, these hybrids uh, did not have knowing at birth. They all learned it at different ages. Um, a couple of them learned about it in childhood, and the rest of them didn't really get validation about being a hybrid until they were in their adult years. Oh, okay. But all that time before they knew, they definitely sense that they were different than all other people around them and even different than their family members. But and it is pretty similar to the starseeds. Pardon? It is pretty similar to the, the starseeds, how they evolve. Yes, okay, and how they they come to know over time that they're a starseed. You know, they, I, I don't know as much about the starseeds as they do about the hybrids. Um, so not quite sure how that matches up point for point. But they're all here for good, in my opinion. Yeah, and we're very fortunate to have them. And I bless them, star seeds and hybrids, and just wish them well in what they're here to do and carrying out the helpfulness that they're here for. Well, thank you so much for answering my question. I hope it did answer it, and uh, understanding that um, anything that I say about them now is up for further development and uh, further understanding. I can just say what I understand at this point in time. Change is the key. 
<laughs> yes, there's lots of change yeah. right. happening and lots of change coming. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, and bless you for your work. Thanks, you too. <clears throat> thanks for calling, Philip, and we'll see you in Arkansas. Sure. Oh, <laughs> I will be, be well. there too. You, you mean the I, UFO I, conference in Arkansas? Um, no, in we have April? our Star Crystal Quest, and uh, Philip was there last year, and he's coming back, so we're going to see him again. So thank you so, so much, much for Thank you so much for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Um, okay, we have one more caller, and we're going okay. to be talking to Kathleen. Hello, Kathleen. You're on the air with Barbara. Kathleen, are you there? Hello? I think my phone just went. Can you hear me, Barbara? <laughs> I, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't hear Kathleen. I wondered if I that was my phone you. just you know, kicking the bucket. Well, um, uh, no, no, I hear Kathleen, you. Hello, are you there, Kathleen? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Oh yes, yes. yes. Can you? Yes. Okay. Can you hear me? Um, yes. yes. And you are on the air with Barbara. Go ahead and ask your question. Hi. Hi, Kathleen. Okay. Hi, Barbara. So I myself have a lot of the star seed markings and. I'm an RH negative blood type with an extra vertebrae. And I'm just wondering if there's been any connection with the alien hybrids and RH negative blood factor. Well, with the hybrids, uh, uh, the ones that I know whose blood type is, they have the RH negative blood. I really don't know about the star seeds, the star beings. Mm-hmm. Um, they may or may not. Uh, as I say, I just have not really focused too much on that. Um, uh-huh. I want to learn more about them. But definitely the hybrids do. Okay. And the RH negative, yeah. I mean, some of them are missing the, um, like the O factor. Another one is missing the B factor and so on. So, it's not exactly the same blood type, but a couple of them have found out through uh, some of those really detailed blood tests that they have a very unusual blood type that doesn't match any of the other ones that we know about on Earth. Mm-hmm. So for, for a couple of them, uh, that's one of the indications you know, that sort of validates uh, that they are different enough that they they are hybrid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, yeah, I'm an how, O how negative. How about you? O negative. I'm okay. O negative. Mm-hmm. And I've had um, more when I was young. I had um, alien encounters in my dream state. Mm-hmm. But not so much in my adult that I remember. They're so good at making you not remember. <laughs> oh, they are. They're very good at that, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least not, uh, not it, they make us not able to remember very much about it. Sometimes mm-hmm. just the first few moments and then, or the last few moments but of an experience, but not, usually not the middle part, the, the main part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are various reasons for doing that, that, 
I've heard from some of the beings. Uh, they don't want to disturb us. They don't want to upset us. They, that's why they don't want us to know much about it or anything about it if they can help it. Um, I think that a lot of people are having these experiences with these beings without ever knowing about it. Because these beings are so accomplished at, um, you know, doing it in such a way that you don't know. Or some people know that they've had one experience, they remember that, or the beginning or the end of it, very vividly. Mm-hmm. And then when they tell me about this, I'm thinking to myself, well, if they've had this one experience, they probably have been having a lifetime of experiences, mm-hmm. but they just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But I am amazed at the people, you know, regular, good, everyday people who have never been particularly interested in this whole field, um, but who, in conversations, just as I meet them in different places, um, they they would say, oh, yeah, well, I had... I had something unusual happen when I was a little kid and you know I remember seeing a being in my room and and but they never made too much of it. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't know what to make of it because of course this is very often something that happened decades ago before there was much um information out there about this. And uh, mm-hmm. but I think that if they had that one experience then when they were three or four or five or whatever, that they probably have had subsequent visits that they just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and typically a lot of people uh, wake up with something peculiar going on, like their clothes or their bedclothes, uh, pajamas or whatever, are inside out or put on upside down or even somebody else's night clothes uh-huh. put on them. Uh, I know mm-hmm. a, a number of cases like that. Or they wake up in another part of the bedroom or mm-hmm. are sort of lying across the bed sideways rather than up and down or in another part of the house. Or I know people who've sort of come to, shall we say, um, outside of the house. Mm-hmm. And they find that they're locked out. You know, the doors are all locked from the inside, but here they are outside, or they'll be out in a field. I mean, you know, I've had so many clients and so many regressions that, oh, it's just amazing the unusual things that happen. And, of course, it's very typical that somebody will notice after waking up and maybe when they're in the shower or whatever, that they'll notice an unusual marking on their body. And they mm-hmm. just don't see how they could have possibly done that in their sleep. You know, like a little scoop-shaped mark gouged out yeah. of their skin or a little circle of pinprick-looking marks on their back. Well, they couldn't have even reached that part of their back, let alone making a perfect little circle of of pinprick-like dots or triangle mm-hmm shaped formation or triangle bu- uh, bruise um, it, it's, or a little straight line white scar 
on the mm-hmm. forearm. I've seen that on a few people. And uh, I, I think it's it's really helpful, actually, to us people to see these things on our own skin because it kind of awakes us to the fact that, you know, we're having some kind of unknown experiences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have, with, with um, you, is that true? Well, when I, was, when I was young, yes, I would wake up with bruises on my legs, but in the last hmm, couple of years, I've noticed that on my left side, behind my ear, I have the lower part of the ear, I have a little, kind of like a BB, a large BB. Oh, yes, uh-huh. I've heard of that many, many, many times. And I yeah, have felt so. them through the outside of someone's skin, and they, they're a little bit movable, too, in the immediate area. Mm-hmm. Have you found that if you push into it or you know, try to move it around, it moves a little bit? I don't mean a great distance, like an inch or so, but you know, a few millimeters, it, it might mm-hmm. move around a little bit. Yeah, it does yeah. feel yeah. slightly. Yeah, that... that Sounds like a good old implant. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I'm yes. very very familiar with. Many, many people I've met and worked with have implants somewhere. And they can happen just about anywhere on the body, but around the ear and the base of the skull, that's a pretty typical place. But I've known them to be in a tooth and in the jawbone and between the big toe and the next toe and on the ankle and the calf and the thighs and the arms and oh oh in the third eye area definitely a lot of them are placed up there or behind one eye or behind right behind one ear uh, around the neck um under the jaw yeah just wow they they seem to be inserted in Many, many, many parts of the body. Mm-hmm. So, how are you doing with uh, these indications, these markings? How how is that for you? Um, I would like to have this implant removed because it's just mm-hmm. kind of strange to me to have that. Yeah, sure. Uh huh. Right. Well, there used to be this wonderful Dr. Roger Lear who was here in Southern California, and he did, oh, at least 17 implant removals that I personally was aware of and was there present for some of those surgeries. And um, But he unfortunately died, oh, a year or a year and a half ago. And I don't know if anyone else who has carried on that work, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I keep my eyes and ears open for that. But one thing that, that came out of all that is that when he would remove an implant with most of those people that I know of, um, another implant replaced it. <laughs> and not uh-huh. necessarily in the same area of the body, but somewhere else on the body, a new implant was subsequently inserted. Mm-hmm. So, Not I, you know, I just wonder if it's 
even worthwhile removing one because there'll probably just be another one put in. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you uh-huh. have any sense do you have any sense of what happens with that implant? I mean uh, do you get get I any, just ever get any think it's it's a it it oh I I'm the your phone is skipping. You think it's what? Oh a tracking or monitoring device. I see. Mhm. Yeah, many people do feel that. Uh huh. Well, that's not yeah. always a bad. That's not necessarily a bad thing. No, and many many people I know who have uh, an implant in there somewhere that no matter where they go in the United States or even in another country, if the beings want to connect with them, they they will find them. Uh-huh. So they might be in the city, in a busy office building, or they might be out in the wilderness or anywhere in between uh-huh. on an ocean liner right. or an airplane or whatever. And um, if the beings want to uh, connect with them, they, they will definitely find them. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe they, to recruit us to take us to another dimension when the time is ripe. Well, it may be. I think that we probably would never really know all the purpose for those implants. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I think you're right that uh, they they do help the beings to locate the people here that they work mm-hmm. with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. And also, some of my clients have um, felt that they received messages from the beings through the implants. Hmm. So that and and also there's with um one woman and her son, they're both experiencers of E. T. contact. And um they both have a kind of a tingling, almost a ringling, it's a very subtle sound, but more of a tingling feeling um in the implant when there's going to be an encounter, uh, maybe a few hours later, it's like mm. you're almost being prepared. That you know, get ready, we're going to come and visit you. <laughs> and they don't mm. hear those words, but but they feel like it's sort of a preamble to another encounter experience. Mm-hmm. And so, well, ladies, some, about, we are just people, about out of time this evening, and. Um, uh, Kathleen, I want to thank you for calling in. And All right, thank yes, you. Thank you very much and sharing, okay. as you have. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing. Okay. Aloha. Bye-bye, Kathleen. Bye-bye. Bye. So, um, wow, I can't, I can't believe that we're almost out of time. That's just the sign of a fascinating guest. Um, <laughs> it <went> quickly, <laughs> before, from my point of view, too. In, uh, in in wrapping up, I just want to uh, give your information again. Your website is Barbara Lamb, L-A-M-B, M-F-T, and um, is that um, M like Mary, F like Frank, T like Tom? You know, the Internet, sometimes you yeah, can't understand. The, I know. The M-F-T stands for Marriage and Family Therapist. That's, that's what, what I suspect. That's what, 
Yeah, right. Barbara so Lamb, it's Barbara Lamb com. Right. And mm-hmm. your contact information, I'm sure, is on your website, along yes. with your, which are also on Amazon. You've got your own page on Amazon. So we really encourage um, our listeners to pick up a copy of Meet the Hybrids. And um, we would love to have you come back on. And I know Lavender was looking forward to speaking with you about doing uh, a hybrid series here on our show. Oh, I'd love that. That would be really good. We will look forward to that. So, Barbara, I want to thank you so much for your time and generosity with our audience and for the work that you're doing on the planet, um, we commend you. Well, thank you. You are entirely welcome. It's my privilege and blessing. You know, we feel the same way. So <laughs> with that, um, I want to wish everyone a very wonderful, exciting, happy week. And we'll be back next week from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy. Take care until then. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 